0: All right, come grab a seat. So, a little disclaimer, with it being Baptism Sunday, I am on a time limit today, so hopefully this will be as brief as I planned, we never know. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The words of Jesus after he rises from the dead, his final parting words with the disciples as he's leaving, gives us this call to go into the world to make disciples and to baptize. We uh, finished a series on Easter going through the Gospel of John. We're getting ready to start a new series uh, in two weeks called Go Love, and it's going to be all about engaging our city with different service projects that we'll be doing with some of our partner churches. But in this kind of three-week window, uh, I decided I wanted to do some just kind of standalone sermons. And when we do that, we call them Desert City Originals. And there was just some things that I just feel like it's good to talk about. So last week, we had our, our child dedication Sunday, and we talked about parenting, and And today we're having a Baptism Sunday, and I wanted to talk about this idea of baptism. As a new church, none of us has been in this church for longer than three years. Uh, Most of us are new, even even newer than that. And uh, we have all sorts of different backgrounds as a new church. So some of you may not have any background in church. Some of you might have real traditional background in in church. And uh, every now and then it's good to talk about kind of why we do what we do. And so when we do things like, Communion and offering and baptism you might think this is strange or you might have different opinions on uh, On what it is that that we do these these acts of the church these things that kind of we hold sacred and dear And today I want to just give a word on on baptism And and I feel like this is this is the call from Jesus uh, uh, for us to do Um, And I think something significant happens in the sacred act of baptism Um, But I want to talk about kind of what it is Where it comes from and then why we do it. And it's, it's kind of a debatable topic depending on maybe your tradition or upbringing. And there's a lot that's been said, and uh, a lot of people smarter than me that might have said different things than what I'll say. But just as Desert City Church, here's kind of what, what it means for us as we celebrate baptism. And uh, it's, it's very much gra- grounded in kind of this, this narrative that is throughout the, the text the Old Testament and the New Testament, actually. Uh, there's something going on here with this idea of baptism, sometime 25 to 30 years after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, a man named Paul was writing to the church. And he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And Corinth isn't like your typical suburban community church. This would be like a church on the strip of Las Vegas. It's a pretty wild town. A lot can go wrong. And so as Paul's writing, he's giving different instructions. And and in, in 1 Corinthians 10, he brings up, he references baptism. And he references it in uh, relation to Israel's history. And as he brings up this idea of baptism, he talks about the history of Israel going all the way back to Moses and the Exodus story. And this would have been something that, as association brings up, this reminder of, of the story of how God's people were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, and they're crying out to God to deliver them. And finally, God delivers them. Charlton Heston comes to the scene, <laughs> saves the day, right? But we, we know this story, and, and the, the early church would have known this story as well. And, and there's this story of them being enslaved by, by the, the, the power of Egypt, and then God delivering them from that slavery. And, and we know that story. As, as they're delivered, they, they go through this Red Sea, this, this water, they pass through it. They get through the water... And then the water collapses on the things that enslave them. There's something very kind of this physical thing happening as they pass through the waters. And all the things that enslave them are washed away. And Paul, as he's talking about baptism, makes reference to this. I like what N.T. Wright says about these old stories in Scripture. He says, Scripture trains us to listen to and learn from stories of all kinds inside the sacred text and outside, and to discern patterns and meanings within them. Stories of all sorts form and shape the character of those who read them. And we live within the narrative as, as creatures in search of an ending, in search of happiness. As we go back to these old stories in the text, they form us and they, they shape us to be the kind of people God has designed us to be. And it's great to see, like in the early church, they're looking back at these stories to see, how does God work in the world, and what is God all about? And what we find in this story is that God is all about delivering his people from things that enslave them. If we look at some of these patterns, we see there's water. This image of water appears over and over, especially in the Old Testament. We have the story, the creation poem in Genesis 1, where it talks about how the, the earth is formless, and there's darkness, there's a void, there's water that, that fills kind of everything, and as God is ordering the creation, he separates the water and new life emerges from it. There's something about emerging from the water with new life being born. Then we've got this story of, the old story of the flood in Genesis chapter 6 when early humanity had become so wicked, there's this image of this flood that comes and it cleanses the earth of this wickedness. And there's new life that springs forth from that as well. So in one image of water, we have water being separated and new life bursting forth. There's another image of water that's this cleansing thing that cleanses uh, the wickedness and new life coming. And then, of course, the story of, uh, of, of God's people leaving Egypt and passing through the Red Sea and all the things that enslaved them are washed away. So it's Easy to see as Jesus comes to the scene, there's this man named John the Baptist that is preaching the repentance of sin and doing this physical act of baptism. Of baptism. This physical act that we do today is symbolic of something. The church, our church would call it an, order, an ordinance. Some churches would call this a sacrament. But it's this sacred, symbolic activity that we do. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward spiritual divine grace. It's this outward physical sign of an inward transformation. It's symbolic. I heard someone talk about this the other day. I thought it was a great analogy. They said, it's like a wedding ring. I wear a wedding ring, and everyone knows that I'm married. It's this physical thing that represents, but the wedding ring isn't what makes me married, right? The the wedding ring represents this, this commitment that I've made in my heart to my wife, to God, to a witness of people, this commitment that I have made. And there's something symbolic that's the outward expression of this inward thing that's going on inside of my heart. And and this activity of baptism, what we believe is is this physical activity that represents outwardly what's happened inwardly. And inwardly what has happened is that there's been this surrender, there's this uh, this confession that, that, that Jesus is God that I've surrendered my life to him, that I entrust him with washing away all of the wickedness, the things that, cleanse, that need to be cleansed. Something inside of me has been transformed as I've come to salvation, and this is this physical act to represent that. And much like the wedding ring, the wedding ring doesn't make me married. It's this symbol of what that is. And, and we would say that it's the same thing with baptism. Baptism isn't required for salvation, but it's a response to the salvation work in my life. So we invite people to this as we give our life to God to publicly declare that by this act, this sacred act saying, something inside of me has changed. Something inside of me has been transformed. And this is a response to that. 1 Corinthians 12 Another thing that takes place is Paul's talking about how baptism is this entry to the body of Christ. He says something that happens when we we experience baptism together, there's something that unites us about this physical act. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. There's something that unites us in this act of baptism. And Today, when we celebrate this baptism, there's something uh, that we all participate, maybe much like a wedding. We are all witnesses of what God is doing in our midst, individually, corporately, this outward expression of this inward transformation. Something else happens with baptism, too. I mean, if baptism isn't the thing that saves us, we say that what saves us is this transformation of the heart. Um, it means just an entry into the church. I was baptized at the age of 12, very young, grew up in the church. My wife was baptized uh, her, when she was 30. When she's 30. 30. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us, followers of Jesus, uh, for her it was this moment, ready to say, I need to publicly declare this. And it doesn't mean that she was, you know, less saved before that. I mean, she's married to a pastor, very involved in our church, but came to this moment where we're called to do this and felt, I'm ready to make this statement publicly uh, that I've been baptized. And there's this corporate witness that we all experience together that unifies us when we're baptized. Baptism has this unifying quality. But like I said, it doesn't save us. What we find is that even when we're baptized, it's this entry point and doesn't mean that life's going to be necessarily holy and sinless after that. We see this in the story of when God's people leave Egypt, right, they go out into the wilderness. Life isn't all of a sudden easy. It doesn't mean that they don't mess up. It doesn't mean that Everything's just perfect. There's still this journey that they're on. The same happens with baptism as well. It doesn't mean that I'm uh, all of a sudden just complete. It means that I've received the salvation, but then there's this, still this journey of life that I'm going on. So we would say that we invite you to baptism even, even if you think, well, I know I'm still a troublemaker. Yes, but baptism is saying, I rely on God's righteousness, not my own. He's done this great work to atone for my sin. There's this dying to self that happens, though, as we enter baptism. Romans chapter 6 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are of those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that uh, the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free to sin. When we're baptized, we're, there's something that is, is joining God and his death and resurrection. There's something symbolic about going into the water and emerging with new life, life of being born again or a rebirth, something new. We're putting to death certain things in our life to experience the new life. One of my favorite movies is Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Something I used to watch with my old uncle, my dad. It's kind of like a grandpa humor. But there's this scene in uh, "O Brother, Where Art Thou?" where there's a man named Delmer, and if you know the story, it's these three prison inmates that break out, and there's this parallel with the old uh, Odyssey Greek mythology going on. It takes place in the deep South, and Delmer, uh, as they're running away uh, from prison, they they come across this baptism service taking place, and it's at a river and. Uh, kind of this old traditional way of doing baptism where they would go down to the river wearing white robes and be baptized. And Delmer is just completely uh, entranced by it. It's it's something that he's full of awe and wonder as he watches it and he decides I'm going to go get baptized and goes down cuts in line the minister sees him okay baptizes him comes up whispers something into his ear and Delmer comes out tells his buddies all of my sins are forgiven. There's not one man, there's not nothing God has on me or anyone else on this earth has on me, including the pig that I stole that I'm in prison for. And his friends look at him and say, you told us you were innocent. You told us that you were falsely accused. And he said, I lied. I lied about it. And I'm forgiven of that too. This great line of, is that what baptism is? Just we're completely forgiven. And, And yes, and since we are, we, we've we've had this public declaration of this inward transformation, where all the things that we've done, uh, God has forgiven us of those things. And yet, there's something that we put to death in our own life, our own ego, our own agenda. This this death and resurrection that we're united with with God, as we pass through the waters and emerge with new life. Finally, the last thing that, that baptism does is, as uh, we consider this this sacred act. Is it has not only implications of what's going on inside of me, it has, no, has implications of how I, I live in response to this work that God has done in my life. But there's also something that we witness as a community. And kind of using this parallel of the wedding, the ring being symbolic, there's something else that happens at a wedding that I think is pretty powerful. And it's the vows that are read. And when I do a wedding... Um, I, I love hearing all the different ways that people do vows and, and think those are they're great. They're these sacred commitments that are made saying, this is what I've decided to do with my life. It's this public declaration. But there's something really unique, I think, about traditional vows. Because not only are you making this public declaration of, this is what I have decided, this is the commitment that I've made. But when the ride and groom do the traditional vows, when you hear them, there's something that is reminded. Everyone that's a witness in the audience is reminded of maybe the vows that they've made in their life. There's something nostalgic about those words, those those words that represent the commitment. And as a church, as we experience baptism with our friends and our family, there's something that we're reminded of in our own life, this joy of our salvation, that God has worked in our hearts And God has done this great work giving us salvation. There's this return of what the newness of that is like as we watch and experience baptism. Paul Harvey, the old radio personality, some of us are reminded of of him. Maybe you listened to him a long time ago. I think he was a a great voice, great storyteller. Uh, Was baptized here in Arizona, actually in Cave Creek, not far from here. He was out here with his wife. They went to this old church in Cave Creek that had about 12 people in it. And Harvey tells the story, the rest of the story, as he would, would say. Comes to church, about 12 people, and the pastor gets up, and he preaches on baptism. Paul Harvey looks around the room, sees 12 people, and thinks, these people have probably been here forever. Like, what is he preaching on? I'm guessing they've all been here, and they've been saved and, as he's kind of like watching the room, he's seeing kind of this collective of people who are so passionate about this work that God has done in their life and so excited to celebrate this act of baptism. And he says something happens in his heart. God all of a sudden starts to stir. And he says that he experiences God in a way that he hasn't in a long time. And he realized, I've I've never done that. I've never been baptized. And he looks around the room and they have this open baptismal. He's like, I don't think anyone's going. But he feels like maybe today... He's giving the sermon because I'm supposed to be baptized. Paul Harvey walks to the front, acknowledges he's following Jesus, and they baptize him there. This community of twelve people. And Harvey talks about what happens in baptism too. Is not only is it this public declaration, but he said what I experienced was not only was I dunked and drenched in water, but my dignity was as well. So my dignity was just drenched. To get up and actually get in front of people and declare this, and to move into the water, it's hard. There's something that happens in me that acknowledges this surrender of following God. And what happened was I swallowed my pride that day. Said I'm surrendering life to Christ. I know that I've done that, but I've never declared it. It's a great, great rest of the story from Paul Harvey, and I think that's what happens too. And even as we hear today from uh, and watch those who are baptized. This is a huge act of courage. This reminder of we're publicly declaring that we're following Jesus. Their dignity is drenched as well. There's something about something inside of us as we follow Jesus that we constantly put to death our own agenda, our own ego, our own dignity. And there's something to celebrate too. That takes a lot of courage. We celebrate that. And finally, there's an old story I heard about a fisherman and a businessman that I think explains this life that we're invited to with baptism. A businessman comes across this lake, and this fisherman has pulled his boat in, and he's playing with a child. And it's still early in the workday, and the businessman looks at the fisherman and says, what are you doing? Are you, are you done? You're done fishing for the day? And the fisherman says, yep, yep, I caught kind of my quota for the day, so I'm done. And the businessman says, well why don't you go catch more fish? you still got plenty of time to fish today. You can catch more fish. And the fisherman says, well, why would I do that? We catch more fish, just good business. You can sell the fish, make more money. Make more money, afford a better boat, go into deeper waters, get some nylon nets. Just basic business, man. Build your business. You Catch more fish, get more money, get another boat. Maybe you get two boats, maybe you get a fleet of boats and you hire other fishermen. And then you'll be rolling. You'll be rolling. And then you can do anything you want. And the fisherman said, well, well then what do I do? And he, he said, well, you, what, you, what you could do is that you could enjoy life. And the fisherman looked at the businessman and he said, what do you think I'm doing right now? What do you think I'm doing right now? Enjoying life. When I think about this idea of baptism, this entry point into the church, this public declaration that I'm following Jesus. It's this reminder that as followers of Jesus, we're citizens of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. We talk about that as this future destination, but also this present reality. The life that we're invited to live here as a church, the fellowship of those who follow Jesus, is to enjoy the kingdom life here and now. And as we are baptized and we're putting to death these things uh, that our ego drives, to replace that with the character of one who is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Our life is full of love and peace and joy and compassion. We're invited to live that now, to enjoy life. So today as we uh, watch these baptisms, what we're watching is is people who've said, I've decided to follow Jesus. I am putting to get death uh, my own ego, my own agenda. I am trusting uh, the work of the cross where Christ Died for my sins, conquered death, and rose from, the de- rose from the grave. And I'm living this life of the kingdom, not that it's going to be perfect, but that it's going to be in line with the heart of God. We get to see that today and celebrate with Him. Before we head out, I wanted to do one other thing that's sacred for us. And maybe something that you need to consider today is if you haven't been baptized, uh, you're invited to the water. You're invited to pass through the waters today to acknowledge that Jesus is uh, your Savior, that you're following him. And that's for anybody. This is an entry point to the church. Um, And maybe today as you experience other people being baptized, you're reminded in uh, the joy of your salvation. Something is restored within you. And as we move to baptism, we take part in another sacred act of communion. Tim's going to come up and we're going to just prepare our hearts as a church as we get ready to, to watch this. But part of this story is is this idea that, that God loved us so much that he comes into the world physically, takes on the form of a human, and goes to death on the cross, as we talked about with Easter. We take this act of communion that represents this incarnation, that God's body was broken on the cross, and in that brokenness, all the things that are broken in our life is restored. We take a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross, Again, something that is cleansing. And all of the things that we've messed up, all of the ways that we've got it wrong, uh, all of our own wickedness is cleansed. And we remember the sacrifice that God did for us on the cross, but then we also proclaim it and live it as we participate in communion. So before we move to the back patio to watch baptism, I'm going to invite us to the table uh, to communion today. So Tim's going to come back up and, and just take some moments to reflect on the work that God has done in your life the things that God is calling you to, um, and the things that we proclaim as a church. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the stories of of your work in our life, your work on the cross, your work that continually renews us now, and the work that you do through us as a church body. And today, Lord, as we, we participate in this thing that is sacred, we're reminded of our story through the waters there's new birth that has emerged, that the water has cleansed. Lord, that there's the things that enslave us have been washed away. We pass through the waters. Today we celebrate that with those who are being baptized. And Lord, just ask that you would continue to do work in this community. Continue to give us courage to proclaim your message, to live the life that you've called us to. Lord, we're grateful for your love we participate in these things, these symbolic acts, these outward works of these inward divine grace in our life. We love you so much, and your sons let me pray. Amen. When you feel ready, feel free to move to the table, and after this song, we'll, we'll head out to the back.